Thanks, guys. That's awesome. Um, welcome back to Connection. We took a little break preparing for the fall. So glad you're here. Thank you for that. Um, have a message for you. Then we're going to do, if you're a college student, we're feeding you after this. So, you know, and it's free. Um, I, number, well, there was, there was once, we'll start this way. Once upon a time, <laughs> there was a brave knight. And this brave knight had the challenge of rescuing the princess. She was a prisoner of the dragon. And the biggest obstacle between the brave knight going to rescue the princess was a massive cavern between the town and where the princess, the dragon, had taken the princess and held her captive. And so the first thing the knight had to do was build a bridge to get across this massive cavern. So he set about his work, recruited some help from the townspeople, and they built a bridge. He walked across it, and he's like, it's a pretty good bridge. I think I can do better. And so he did it. He said, we're going to add to it. We're going to enhance it. We're going to change it. He took some stuff down. He added parapets to it, put some flags on top, walked across, checked out the bridge. This is better. I think we can do better. And so he strengthened the bridge even more, put a guard gate Made it awesome. Like, added all this crazy cool stuff and decorations and walked out on the bridge and said, hmm, this is pretty good. I think we can do better. And he continued to be, build and enhance and strengthen and refurbish and change this bridge. And the poor princess never got rescued. Now that is a modern day parable when you think about it. And unfortunately, sometimes the church is the night. We get really good at building buildings and building programs. And when we've done a really good job of our program, we start over and make it better and bigger for the next year. And stronger for the next year. And get more people involved and stronger for the next year. And in the meantime, the rest of the world is waiting to be rescued. The church has a mission. The church, when I say church, I don't mean the building. I mean us, sitting in our seats, have a mission. If you will, turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It's going to be our scripture for this morning. What is the mission of the church. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and had taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles to whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God while staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of Israel? Excuse me. He replied, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has sent by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, 
in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and the cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing up toward heaven and suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who you have taken up into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So, obviously, this is after Jesus' public ministry, after he has died on the cross, after he has risen from the dead. He spends a concerted amount of time working with his disciples, talking to his disciples, training his disciples, witness, revealing himself to them. Hey, I'm alive. And he has these ongoing conversations with them. And one of the conversations in verse 6 is, hey, is this when you're going to establish your kingdom? Because, you know, all along, all through Jesus' ministry, the disciples have been like jockeying for the right hand of the future king. Like, I want to be the king. I want, he's going to be the king of Israel. I want to be his right-hand man. And so now they're having this conversation. Now, now that the king, the future king, has proven that no enemy can kill him because he'll just rise from the dead. Now think about that. Who do you want to go to war with? Right? They ask, is this now when you're going to kick Rome out and reestablish Israel? It's the wrong question, right? It's the wrong type of kingdom. It's not the kingdom Jesus had in mind when he had poured his life into them for three years and for the past 40 days. They're still looking for a political kingdom that they're going to establish. They're looking for the best possible built bridge. The bridge they've been waiting for to be built by Jesus himself. And we know that's going to be perfect and immaculate and level and all the bolts in the right place and all the flags in the right place. And it's going to be the best passage to the rest of the world ever. And Jesus goes, but notice he doesn't actually go, that's not going to happen. He just says, it's not for you to know when. So Jesus doesn't tell them there won't be God's kingdom of Israel on earth. He just goes, that's the wrong question. Don't worry about when. Worry about how. Worry about being part of it. And he gives them some pretty specific instructions. He gives them, in these first 11 verses of the book of Acts, he gives them their mission. Did you catch it as I was reading through? You go hide out for a little while until the Holy Spirit comes because you're not going to go do God's stuff without the Spirit. That's good, because I don't want to try to do this on my own. Do you? You don't go do God's stuff without God. But when the Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He gives, and there was no church buildings yet. There were no pulpits yet. There were no, oh, here's the first church of, of I mean, it, they were still worshiping in the temple. There was no first church, Christian church of Jerusalem in 40 A.D., the people, his disciples, his followers, the people he had been spending time with, was the church. And he gives them the mission in verse 8. He says, you will be my witnesses. Now, the witness is a loaded term in church world these days. Because if I said to you, hey, after luncheon today, we're all going to downtown Starkville to go witnessing. Any takers? Now, some of you, Stephen's like, yep, I'll do it. Some of you might feel that way. 
Some of you are that wired for extroversion. You just want to have that conversation. It'd be awesome. And there is nothing wrong with that. The rest of you went, your pulse raced, right? When the church says witness, I don't have the answers. I don't know what to say. What if I say the wrong thing? All the anxiety comes into play. But this is not just, when Jesus is not speaking of just the four spiritual laws, make sure everybody hears the gospel, although that's true. To be somebody's witness, what are they witnessing to? That Jesus is alive. That Jesus is who he said he was. That Jesus has done this. That Jesus has done that. He says, you will be my witnesses. Not you got to make something up. The church's mission isn't to create a mission and then run back to God and say, does this work? Is this good? We don't go build our bridge and go, God, did we do a good enough job? Are we good now? Can we go reach the world? That's not how it works. The church's mission is to continue Jesus' work here on earth. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus live a perfect life, go through what he went through, die and be raised from the dead, and create disciples? Why did he do that? What was the, yes, it was for the forgiveness of our sins because we kind of created that mess and God was going to do something about it. But the person of Jesus walking the earth, his purpose was to reveal God to us. His purpose on earth, and the reason he didn't immediately go to pay for our sins, is because he was introducing us to God. The Father has sent the Son to us so that we can know God. So that we can have a relationship with God. It'd be like, uh, the old illustration is, how would you communicate with an ant in an anthill? You ever heard that? How would you communicate with some ants besides stomping on them or pouring powder on them? Like, how would you communicate? You'd have to become an ant. God became one of us to reveal who God is to us. And then he commissions the church and says, hey, your purpose, I am leaving. The Holy Spirit will come to empower you and you will reveal me to the world. You will be my witnesses. You will be the ones who are going to accomplish the work of what I, of, that God sent me to do. In fact, he says in John 17, 18, when Jesus is praying before he goes to the cross, he says to God the Father, as you have sent me into the world, so I am sending or have sent them into the world. If you ever wonder why we have church, <laughs> why church? There's other things you can do on Sunday morning. Am I right? It's because, one, we're not meant to do this alone. Hey, go witness to downtown Starville, Stephen. You're the only one that raised your hand. See you later. No, we would go with him, right? When we're faced with challenges in our life, the beauty of being a part of a church is you don't face those challenges alone. When you face difficulty, when you face hardship, when you face challenges and you respond with the grace and the love and the forgiveness that God has placed in your heart, you are fulfilling Acts 1.8. You are being Jesus to the rest of the world. You're giving witness to, especially when they ask you, why are you so kind and generous and hospitable? Because Jesus was kind and gracious and sacrificed himself for me. You don't have to know the four spiritual laws to share the gospel. 
All you have to share is how God has changed your story by knowing Him. And when you come together on a Sunday morning, you're coming together with everybody else who has all of these shared experiences. These experiences with God, we get to come and tell about them. What is a sermon? Except me talking about how Jesus revealed Himself to us. It's a testimony. It's a story about how Jesus, what Jesus revealed about Himself for us, about who we are, about who God is, and about what He wants us to do. There's your sermon. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah, Stephen, you, no, I'm just kidding. But this is not new to the, the New Testament, by the way. There are multiple passages in the Old Testament. Genesis 12, 2 through 3. And I didn't bookmark it, so I'm going to read it. This is God talking to Abraham. He says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. Ooh, Old Testament stuff there. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What's God's mission for human history? To bless the whole world through His church. Next verse. There's uh, Proverbs 11, 11. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. By the blessing of, an, of the upright, by the blessing of the upright, by the blessing of the Christians, by the blessing of those who follow Christ, the city is blessed. Jeremiah 29.7, this is my favorite. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. There's a mission of the church. This is God telling Jeremiah to tell the people of Israel who are in exile in Babylon, make sure Babylon flourishes. Wait, wait, wait. They hauled us off. They took our culture. They took our freedom. They've enslaved us. And we're supposed to do what? Make sure that your captors flourish. The people who oppress you, the people who take away things from you, the people who have taken away your livelihood, your home, your family, seek their flourishing. Seek blessing them. Because we're not building a bridge so we can stay on this side of the bridge. If we're the knights, at some point, we have to go across the bridge and bless the world. You see, we get it backwards. We think that Starkville exists for connection. So we can have more people. So we can have good donuts. So we can have comfortable chairs and good music and good coffee. Thank you, Krispy Kreme from Columbus and Will, for ringing the donuts. You know what I mean? No. Connection exists for Starkville. This group of people, the people sitting right around you, is a group of people that God has gathered together to worship to encourage one another, to have fellowship with one another, to strengthen one another, so that we can seek the flourishing of Starkville. Not that Starkville's oppressing you, I hope not. But you get what I'm saying, right? The idea is the Christian church's mission is you will be the witnesses of who God is to the world. By being like Jesus, you reveal Jesus to Starkville. You don't have to become a street preacher tomorrow to fulfill this commandment. And all the introverts said, Amen. Right? 
But when I put Jesus on and go to work, I fulfill Acts 1.8. So it's an individual piece. We're going to talk about this more in the coming weeks. There's an individual component to this. You have a mission yourself. But I would argue that we have a mission as a group called Connection. That we have things we can do to seek the flourishing of the town that we're situated in. Mississippi State University, downtown, Longmeadow, you name the neighborhood, Green Oaks. There are people, the, the princess is waiting for the night. Waiting for the night. And we can do better with our programs, of course. <laughs> we can invite them to church, good thing. But we're supposed to go rescue the princess. We're supposed to be witnesses to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the call of the church. That is the purpose of the church. You will be my witnesses. Genesis 12, Proverbs 11, Jeremiah 29. By the way, that 29-7 verse is about four verses for He says, I know the plans I have for you, not to prosper you, not to harm you. That famous verse that you may have heard at some point in your life follows right after he says, seek the flourishing of the Babylonians. That's my plan to seek your flourishing. To prosper you and not to harm you. If the community you are in is being changed by the Holy Spirit Church of God, then you will flourish too, regardless of the circumstances. One of the beautiful things about this is we, that we know, and the reason I cite all these verses about this mission is this has always been God's mission. He tells Abraham, the nations will be blessed through you. He tells the writers in Proverbs, the upright will bless the city. The people who live the way God's called them to live will bless the city. He tells the, book of the, the earth's church in the book of Acts, go change the world. The church exists for the community, not the community for the church. He's all, it's always been his mission to call a people to himself that will in turn bless the world. And the beauty of Scripture is, and what we know from Scripture, is that God cannot and will not fail in his mission. No way. No way. In fact, what he is doing is he's invited us to participate in that mission, not make up our own and hope God thinks it's okay. He invites us to participate in the plan He's had since the beginning of redemptive history. That's pretty cool. <laughs> We're participating in His plan and He can't fail. So you can cook up a, an outreach strategy that may fall on its face. And one person comes to Christ, and that one person is the next Billy Graham. Who knows? Or the guy who makes the next great invention and it transforms the world. Who knows? The conversation you have with somebody during lunch might deepen their spiritual walk, and you'll never know it. The lab partner at the university, the person you sit next to in church, the person you work with at the accounting firm might just need you to be His witness to the ends of the earth. They might need to hear, the way Peter puts it, hear you give the reason for the hope that you have. And it's that simple. They've been waiting for somebody to explain to them why we're here, because it doesn't make any sense when you watch anything news related. 
Why are we still here? This is awful. Because we have a reason for hope. We have a reason for joy. And we're going to explore more of the particulars in the coming weeks as we kind of walk through early church practices of what it meant to be a witness to the ends of the earth. What did they do? How did they do it? Because I'm convinced we are that. (laughs) Not the early church. That was a long time ago. But if those practices work then, they work now. But here is a challenge. I challenge you to take Jesus' words seriously. Open your eyes to the community around you. Part of this takes a little bit of spiritual radar. The checkout girl at Walmart, if you actually don't do (laughs) self-checkout. You know what I mean? The person who cuts your hair. You have these conversations. Ask God to open your eyes to the world that needs his witness. How can I be charitable? How can I be gracious? How can I be kind? How can I bear witness to the one who loves me? Maybe you're already aware of these, but our community does face great challenges. Sometimes they're hidden. Sometimes they're more in plain sight. Starkville needs the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. But we have to start looking for those opportunities. Our eyes have to be attuned to those who are hurting around us. If we're going to witness to the Jesus who gives us that charge. So, I want to wind this up with an, with, with a, an announcement to go with how we're going to be the night, so to speak. Right? I mean, this is where I started. You can build more bridges, cool, or you can go. On your chair, I put out a little announcement sheet that goes into great detail. I won't, like, read it to you. You're grown people. You can read. But I want to explain to you where we're headed with some things with connection in the coming months and in the coming years or whatever. And that is we're going to have a Sunday, September 25th. I can give you a date. We're going to have what we're going to call a blessing Sunday. Now, here's how that works. We're going to look for blessing partners through our community to do what I'm talking about. And we're going to find ways to bless those who need to be blessed. We're going to live out Jeremiah 29.7. Who in Starville has need? We're going to try to meet it. If we can't meet it, we're going to help them find those who can. We're going to do what we can do. So our first Blessing Sunday is September 25th. We're starting with kind of a community partner. It's actually a ministry in our church, but they have a community connection. And that is Brookville Gardens Apartments. I don't know if you know this or not, but our church has a ministry called Loads of Love, or Laundry Love, sorry, Laundry Love. That goes back to a Florida thing for me, and so I always call it that. Laundry Love. There's a group of ladies in our church that go every Monday to this this apartment complex and help them wash clothes and and take care of them. They have Bible study. They minister to these families. They are in great need of some of the items on the sheet there, cleaning supplies, personal hygiene supplies. They need those. And so every Sunday between now and September 25th, when you go to the store and buy 409, buy a second bottle. When you go to the store and buy sponges, buy another pack. Bring them to worship with you on Sunday morning. We're going to start piling them up over here. And then on the 25th, we're going to invite, if not transport, the ladies tied to that ministry to church with us on that Sunday. We're going to pray over them and give them everything we've piled together to help them out. Make sense? Pretty easy. When you go to Walmart 
God help you this time of year. When you go to Walmart, buy something extra. Bring it to church with you on Sunday. If you forget, bring it to the church when you remember. We will get it to where it needs to go. But we're going to pile up for a few weeks here. And then we're going to invite them as our guests. We're going to pray over them. And we're going to pile this stuff on them and say, we love you. We want to bless you. And this works well because these ladies are already, have already crossed the bridge. And they're already in ministry with this apartment complex. And so they're going to help us figure out the best way to do that. But my intention is that this is the first of many blessing partners, that we will find a way to seek the flourishing of Starkville. What if we took Jesus' words seriously and we were meant to be His witnesses to Starkville, to Octibaha County, to Mississippi, and to the world? What if we took His mission serious instead of trying to continuously build our own? Now, I will throw this out there. If you have, if you're going, ooh, I'm involved in this. I want to know about it. Ooh, I've seen this need. I want to know about it. Because this is not the only partnership we're going to do. If you have suggestions, you have ideas, be careful in the church. We'll just put you in charge of it if you ask. But give me your suggestions and your ideas. Because it's this body that we call First Methodist, that we call Connection, that's going to do this. Because Jesus wants us to. Not because we have a mission or a better strategy, but because he's had the same mission and plan all along. And God cannot fail in that mission. The early church, when they gathered, they made sure that everyone who had need had those needs met. And we're trying to take a small stab at a small piece of it because we believe that's what God wants us to do. I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to come up and lead you some more worship. You can take a donut to lunch with you when you're done. <laughs> but thank you for coming to Connection. Come back next Sunday with some goodies, and we'll pile them up over here for these ladies and these families. The handout explains everything I just went over in detail, so you'll have that. You won't forget what I said. You can read that at your, later on. Um, if you have not filled out, Will may have said this, if you filled out your Connection card and dropped it in the offering plate, yay. If you have not, do so, and you can drop it in one of the boxes on the way out or give it to one of the folks that was greeting you this morning. Get it. Or leave your chair. We'll find it. <laughs> However you want to get it to us, it's fine. But we want to make a connection with you. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for sending your son and then sending us. Thank you first that you sent your son because we desperately need to know and be in relationship with you. Lord, thank you for being who you are. And not just sending us like, good luck. But thank you for sending your spirit to change, empower, and send us. Lord, help us to live into that mission. Open our eyes to the mission you have right around us. And let us demonstrate your love and be witnesses to a world that desperately needs you. In your precious son Jesus' name, amen.